0: Hello and welcome to Please Watch This, a podcast where two film mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? I'm Sam Blakely, as always I'm joined by Hugh Dempsey. Hugh, how are you?
1: Hello, Sam. Not too bad, thank you. How are you?
0: Good. Uh, sweltering. It's reminiscent of our first episodes that were that were recorded in the sweltering heat of a late July or something in 2019. Um, I'm, in, in I'm days, incredibly i excited though. Halcyon in days, indeed. When we when I could watch Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time. Um, we're joined again for the fourth time. I want to say.
1: So we had by. Fargo. Uh,
0: uh, 24, 24 hour, hour party people, people in office space.
1: Office space, yeah. Fourth time.
0: So we're joined by uh, the suspiciously named Joe Blakely, uh, brother of Sam Blakely, that's me. Uh, a number one fan, I think, by a long stretch of the show. Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fair to say that with the film we're going to cover today joe is very much in his element uh, so that's something to look forward to uh yeah so we're gonna have a, a you know we'll just a little catch up on joe it's been a few few months since he was on uh for another coen brothers film and then we're gonna get right into it so joe it's been what was it we worked out two or three months since fargo something yeah, like that sort of mid March, I think, early March, just yeah. just before the lockdown. I think, just before the lockdown. Uh, anything, anything newsworthy ever since?
2: Oh, I mean, what what haven't I been able to? Jesus, um, uh, going beyond the end of your street um, <laughs> to get groceries. Yeah, I've done that twice since. Um, <laughs> uh, my partner Katie... including today. <laughs> my my girlfriend okay. Katie moved in with me. Um,
1: yeah. So. Yeah. And beyond, girlfriend. Not that today, just coming out no. and about because of lockdown. Just no. a big day, Just grocery shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Came to mind to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's so. like um, <laughs> it's like baby's day out. <laughs> I, uh,
2: so my girlfriend moved in, and uh, then lockdown happened immediately after that. Um, and now they're not together. So yeah, <laughs> all worked yeah. Out really it was very, you know inevitable. Yeah. Far from it, we're now engaged and
0: uh, couldn't be happier. I'm working oh, I home, think we can give a round engaged. of applause yay, yay, and yay, please yay. watch this. Round of applause to our number one fan getting hitched. Very <laughs> yeah. excited. We're very can't, excited. Can't wait. Mm. How's your speech going, Sam? It's <laughs> <Some more, laughs> the point? Well, I mean... I, th- I think we need to get drunk more, Joe. I need to have some more anecdotes, yeah, well, you know, from, <laughs> from this decade. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, but, yeah, today we are... This is our, what, th- uh, third Coen Brothers film? Second Coen Brothers film? We did Fargo... Second... Second, okay, yes, yeah. so the second Coen Brothers film. Joe was on for the first one, which is Fargo, and it's Big Lebowski. Uh, I mean, Joe, if you want to take the honours, we're going to do a quick plot summary of The Big Lebowski, if you fancy, uh, if you're up to the task. <coughs> oh, dear.
2: Um, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> so the plot is, um, well, we, we get introduced to Jeff... Jeff Lebowski, or otherwise known as The Dude, he's... he's Duderino. The dude a <laughs> um, If you're not into the whole brevity thing. Um, <laughs> set around the, uh, the early 90s. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically some guys break into his apartment, pee on his rug, rough him up a bit. Um, case of mistaken identity, they're after another guy called Jeff Lebowski. And uh, he goes back to sort of get some sort of Compensation, I guess, or even maybe even an apology for the rug, and uh, gets embroiled in, in a kidnapping scheme that he's very reluctant to take part in, and then uh, mm. it all goes to shit,
0: basically. <laughs> um, and what was it you said about Fargo that was basically most Coen Brothers film? Something about a man uh, over his head. You know, yeah, it? it's, it's a very well, it's, it's a lot,
2: it's, it's very much like a Raymond Chandler novel where it's uh, a character gets him way over his head about something, but it, it, well he's trying to solve a mystery and um but the 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 story doesn't really matter it's mainly you know if um it's mainly about the strange characters he meets along the way and the the funny happenings <laughs> going on yeah. In the film.
0: Um, but then, you, I suppose with Women Chandler films, you, uh, books, you end up, you know, they're played by Humphrey Bogart and they, they're sort of whiskey, like you know, uh, whiskey stained and so on. Whereas Coen Brothers, it's much more hapless yeah. individuals getting way, in, you know, getting in way over their head, like. Uh, your man from uh, Fargo what's his name?
1: Uh, well it's William H. Macy the actor isn't it? Jerry Lundegaard that's it Jerry Lundegaard Jerry Lundegaard
0: that's right yeah 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 Uh, yeah absolutely so yeah like you say it's embroiled it's it's, uh, one thing after another it's a real cult classic I mean I think you mentioned last week Hugh that this was one of the first films on your list of these are the films I should have seen by now and I really look forward to seeing
1: yeah I mean I was kind of not put off by the Coen brothers but more I didn't I didn't really rate No Country for Old Men when I first saw it. Um, I didn't, I, I think I was a bit too young to get it, to be brutally honest at the time. And I didn't kind of understand the nuance and the character kind of journey and development and how they're able to craft these sort of believable yet hyper real characters. So I kind of was put off them for a bit. I had seen Brother Out, Art, Art Thou before that many years before it but didn't kind of realise it was a Coen Brothers film and yeah kind of just saw it as a quirky film about people in the 30s and that but yeah it's only since I've kind of been you know decided to do this podcast and you know you hear about how much people love the Coen Brothers and all that it's yeah and how good their films are so I was kind of like oh I really need to get to watch the uh, need to watch this film because it's a cult classic and I think that's you know the main aim of this podcast essentially
0: Absolutely, the thing with the cult classic is it's sort of supposed to have a niche audience but it's a, it's a sort of mainstream cult classic that millions of people love and it's interesting you talk about No Country for Old Men I forget that's a Coen Brothers film I've only seen it the once um, but it doesn't seem as quirky in my memory because it's quite dark isn't it You know, the, especially the um, Javier Bardem character and I think we might maybe do a special where we both revisit that because we both had a similar response to that kind of underwhelmed uh, at the time uh, So, uh, Joby... Joby Joe, um, what is it that you love so much about the Big Lebowski?
2: Um, well, I'm a I'm a big fan of the Cohens, as you know. Um, I just I love everything about their films, and I think the the idea that it's, the plot doesn't really matter, and it shouldn't really enjoy uh, ruin your enjoyment of the film if you don't get the plot. Um, that as always, it's um, this is. Fantastic small characters, brilliantly written. Um, it's just, it's peppered with, it's one of the most quotable films in history, I think. You know, probably uh, third after with Nell and I and
0: Anchorman, possibly. Yeah, Um, this is it. We'll we'll get into this in the social (laughs) media. I'm impressed. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't speak Spanish, and we'll get into this in the uh, social media bit. But I did put a post out asking what makes a such a quotable film but I want to do that after Hugh's given his response so we can really get into that uh, t- tell me about the minor characters as well because we both agreed and we talked about it for Fargo their knack for making minor characters so memorable what is it that makes how do they do it like there's so many people men behind desks normally <laughs> and they just like 10 seconds in there's something about them that you remember yeah. Even if it's someone quite, like, relatively mundane, like in this, is the guy who uh, is, is giving over the urn and everything after Donnie dies. Spoiler alert. We are spoiler-riffing, by the way, listeners. Uh, that should be... We're not do just a review, show; we spoil things? Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the horse Sorry, is can, bolted. Yeah, I was just about to see. Can you see that horse? <laughs> I was going to check the padlock. Um, yeah, so so he's sort of not of that quirky a character but I still remember him, you know, he still stands out. What, how yeah. do they do that?
2: He's—it uh, It is our most modestly Priced receptacle, is that easy? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how they do that, Sam. Um, like I said, it's like a Raymond Chandler film. I, I think that's their
1: magic, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think the, that's what the coins intended with this film a, a modern Chandler film, a bit like The mm. Big Sleep or the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, um, so sort of I think I don't know. Like, like I said in the Fargo episode before. Um, Hugh cut me off because he didn't want to spoil the, the Big Lebowski. Um, there's uh, the character of the Jesus, played by yeah. John Tutoro who is um, he's only in two scenes, but he's he's also is is the character that you remember most. It's I like think, fourth from... build, yeah. <laughs> you
0: know, like you know John Tutoro gets asked in interviews now about being in this film more than anything else. Yeah, and you yeah. right he's in two scenes. Uh, and really, it comes down to f- some physical comedy <laughs> with the bowling ball and just an incredible character yeah and I think part of the part of the minor character thing is that they are so immediately distinct. They have a funny way of talking, like the guy in Fargo. You know, says um, only he didn't. He didn't say what, what, was, the, what was the guy says. <laughs> although you know, he did, didn't say fricking, he didn't use <laughs> the word jerk. No, he didn't. <laughs> oh, <it> didn't use <laughs> <the word laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, you and, and this, I mean. this film is, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And you know, Philip Seymour in this but is but not one of those. <laughs> he's not one of those very minor characters who's just in it for a scene. But he is not in it for a very mm-hmm. long time, and he's so memorable and just so perfect. You know, these little giggles and these, you Know, sort of little gurning faces and so on. He is, uh, he's fun. Have you got it's a favorite minor character from this one, Joe?
2: Um, favorite minor character? I think it well, he's it's, it's got to be the Jesus. I think, um, I quite like, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character who was Brant Brandt, yeah, who's uh, just yeah. kind of like a, uh, what's the word? Um, he's like a Willard circle. Smithers, <laughs> yeah, 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 he's a sycophant, yeah, sycophant, absolutely. That's, yeah. Because um, I, I love, I love him. I know you're you're a huge fan of his. Um, yeah, he's exactly. great in everything, and uh, I think you made a point once that he doesn't. He, he he's never been really been allowed to show his acting ability until later on
0: in his career. Um. It was so frustrating when The Master came out because I didn't really know much about him then. But then, when I I did a little bit of a marathon looking back at his films, I was like, yeah, he really is not allowed to play a strong character in many films. Mm. You know, we've covered um, Boogie Nights before, and he's closer to the Brandt character in that than he is to, you know, his L. Ron Hubbard type character in The The Master. Quite like The
2: Reporter, the. Private investigator as well. <laughs> the dick. <laughs> the private dick, yeah, who's driving the, uh, the Beetle. And he's saying like, oh yeah, I love, I love what you got going on, man. I really like your work. I love, love what you're doing. And he's like, what the fuck
0: are you talking about, man? <laughs> Stay with him. You're Stay in with 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 my everyone. fucking special lady friend. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's that's one of the things they do well with minor characters, is they make them inept mm. or quirky, uh, you know, and eccentric in a in a way that's not they're just not competent, you know, and they find... Or they speak, you know, like they're out of their time period. Or they do well, something incredible. Or they have, or they and have and like, a, like a costume.
1: foible or something about them, about yeah, a character that's yeah. immediately recognisable.
0: Immediately. They're, they're sort of types without, without being stereotypes, I think, which yeah. is really fantastic. And I think it does speak... You talk about Raymond Chandler, it does speak of writer-directors who read books rather than just watch films. I think that's such a big... We're looking at you, Mick think- G. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine Michael Bay sitting down and reading a novel that's not? Bravo 2-0 by Andy McNabb <laughs> 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 you, you know, I mean he Michael you, Bay reading <laughs> <laughs> that's it and you know you see the Cohen brothers in, in interviews and I've been watching a few interviews for this and there's one where they're both sat there sort of picking their nails kind of almost like synchronised nail pickers yeah. just not looking at the camera they're such they're such dorks and we love them for it um, but they're these super successful film directors who most people want to work with you know um, and this film is the peak cohen. Coens. it's got all the cohen yeah like with a marks. film like this you
1: understand why all these big actors work with him and then to, to, uh, basically saying this is a criticism but i don't get maybe why people want to work with like someone like lars von trier <laughs> like i get why people <laughs> want to work with the cohen's yeah. do, do, you know, yeah. do you want to work with quirky like amazing sort of filmmakers or do you want to work with you know a man with manic depression who somehow manages to make movies it was, <laughs> it was going to make it a really much.
0: grim six months. Yeah, it was yeah read and, and, far and, too know.
1: much existential, you
0: know, philosophy <laughs> nihilism. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a bit more Nietzschean than we'd like from a film director, but you know, he makes great films if you're in if you if you really feel like really shit. Um, but <laughs> I, 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 I'm not drawn to watching any more LVT films. I Just have to say, like convinced that um, he makes great films.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. I've I've liked everyone that I've watched, but I'd never want to watch them again. Uh, it's it's a weird weird skill that he has. Um, I think something that really struck me in this film is, as well is the is the love for it. And when I first watched it, I wasn't bowled over. Oh, I didn't even mean to make that that pun. <laughs> That's that. Is, I'm sorry about that, lads. Um, I didn't love it when I first watched it. And then um, he I was, it, went the to way. watch it last. <laughs> I have had that written down for three days. <laughs> I went to watch it last night, but I currently Did you am really addicted. That pun? Oh, fuck off. Uh, Here we go. I've got some spares. Um, uh, I'm literally addicted to FIFA Ultimate Team, right? So last night, it was about 9pm when I was free to sit down to watch this film. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to play FIFA, but I'm going to pretend to be preparing by watching a lot of making-of documentaries and interviews of the cast. So I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm being responsible. Um, And what I was really struck by in these interviews was even 20 years on, these are big actors who've been in lots of things, and the the, the smiles that come across their faces when they get to talk about this film. Even Jeff Bridges, who must have been asked about this film every day of his life for the last twenty three years, um, he there was an interview with him, Steve Buscemi, and who would have been the third, and John Goodman, and the, and the interviewer said, "Do you, have you watched it recently?" And they all kind of said yes. You know how actors tend to be modest and say, no, I don't really watch my things. They sort of... Steve Buscemi was saying that he was watching it with his teenage son, I think. Mm. You know, and that's... It's just so warm. And what I actually found was I'd never really do this for other films, watching the making of documentary... Before you rewatch it for the first time, that's in a right, listeners. We're
1: very thorough in our uh, investigations
0: and films here. At Please watch this. really watch the making of documentaries. <laughs> but well, I mean, yeah, I've got I had a lot of packs to unlock on on, on FIFA Ultimate Team um, But but what I, th- I thought was the it was nice to watch the love that is for this film before watching it, so that each each quote is kind of imbued with this. Joy. Like, if you watched With Neil and I for the first time on your own without anybody seeing it, I don't think you'd consider it as quotable as watching it with somebody else and knowing that it's really quotable. It's almost the, the cult nature of it makes those quotes stick in your head more, because you know the people would recognise them. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever. I mean, what I think you're trying to say is it's sort of that cinema, by its very nature, is meant
1: to be viewed as a collective, and that when you do yeah. view it with as a collective, then you've got that cultural touchstone that you can share with other people quite readily and some films like you know I think you so. mentioned before Anchorman with Neil and I, this Fargo, they're able to reach out to everyone and everyone can see something that they enjoy in it and then they can you know relate that back to other people to get a bit
0: Yeah deeper. you'd almost not want to take those films, if you had a Desert Island Discs scenario with films, you almost don't want to take them because they are films to then look to the person next to you and say these things to yeah. each other, I think But you know, it's not. So you're saying if you were on a
1: desert island disc, you would take all the Transformer films.
0: Exactly. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Ones that I don't want anybody to know I'm watching uh, is basically it. Now, um, Joe, do you think Hugh would like this? Are there specific things that you think would appeal specifically to Hugh?
2: Um, I think, yeah, I think Hugh did like this. Um, I've got a feeling uh, that he maybe didn't like it as much as he liked Fargo. I think he did enjoy this. It is funny, it is quotable, fantastic cast, amazing soundtrack. Um it's got Roger Deakins on cinematography, you know. Big shout What's out. What's not to love? Yeah. Um and it's I, I don't know cuz the Big Lebowski it's one of those films where I find a lot of people don't really wa- didn't really like it the first time they watched it. Um
0: but you know, well, it was a flop in the box office as well, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, even John Turturro said he didn't really get it the first time he watched it, but since yeah. grown to love it. It's a film that grows on you, so I think second or third time I've seen it maybe twenty times, and I always find something
1: um, something new when I watch it. What do you think I might not right. liked about this film, Joe? Or why might I not? Or why might I not liked this film? Um, I think you have any criticisms. I think maybe the.
2: The film can drag for some people and it doesn't really the ending is quite abrupt and it doesn't really wrap things up. Nothing really is different by the end except Donnie's dead. Um and The Coens well, did
0: say that the uh, they they got some advice from Joel Silver the producer. Um and he said well by the end the dude should get his rug back. Hmm. Be compensated for it because that's that was the beginning of his need and his arc. And they were like, Well, that, that doesn't matter at all. But they sort of, in this interview after it had been released, they were like, Yeah, maybe that should have been because it's not satisfying, is it?
2: No, um, I mean, I, I love the film for what it is, but that might be a, a criticism of it that it doesn't, it's not really wrapped up as neatly as it, it should be. But that's a classic Coen Brothers film for you. <laughs> Yes, yeah, which I
0: think is uh, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I, I agree with Joe. I think um, when I did get round to watching it last night, and it was quite late, I did find that I, my attention was was waning because it's not plot driven, and I and I and I think that's that's much more of a creative decision than it is a flaw that they didn't know was happening. Like Joe said, that it's not really about that; it's about this meandering um, quest. How many and the times characters have you seen? It, so? I think only two. I think only two really I don't think I'd actually seen it in full until a couple of years ago and then uh, once again this week and once more now that I'm watching it it's quite possible me and Joe watched it when I was a teenager but there was a lot of the film that I didn't recognise so yeah two times I think Um, but I think think ultimately I agree with Joe I think you'll like it probably not as much as Fargo but that's what we're here to find out. So, listener, we've, we've teased it enough. We're going to go for a little break. And when we come back, we're going to hear what Hugh thinks. We're going to hear Hugh's views. Hello, and welcome back. We are now ready for Hugh's views, something I've been waiting to find out for years now. Hugh, what did you like about the Big Lebowski? Well, I hate to tell you, I
1: absolutely loved it. Hey. Oh, shit. Yeah, I thought I'd got you, <laughs> you on the line. Yeah, I mean, mm. this film is brilliant. I, I, Excellent. So, I, I'm so disappointed that I had to wait 20 years, 23 years, 22 years, sorry, uh-huh. to. Uh,
0: You're 32, Hugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, wanted I wish, to bring that home to you. <laughs> uh, I wish I'd seen I, I had know, to wait. Eighteen years to watch this film. <laughs> uh, although yeah. I suppose actually no, you're right. It, 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 did, it did only come out twenty two years ago. So to be fair, to I be mean, fair, if ten year
1: old me was watching this, I'd be, I would have been impressed with him. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm if six
0: year old if six year old you was watching this four years before it came out, I'd have been really impressed. That, literally, I mean, what does that six year old know that I don't know? <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, yeah well, so, You'll have to listen to the Prime episode for that. So yeah, sorry, tell us what you loved about it. Yeah,
1: I mean, like I said, I kind of wish I'd seen this when I was like 18, 19. Just, it's, what I love about it, it's, it's hilarious. It's so funny. But not <laughs> yeah. in a, like, kind of slapsticky... You know they've got to have so many jokes per minute for it to work. It just works in a way that's—it's just dialogue-based. It's just character interactions. You know, with between Walter, the dude, and Donnie, Like those bits in the the bowling alley are so good, where the you know the the mulling over the problems that they have, and every two minutes uh, Walter's just telling Donnie to shut the fuck up. Or, you know, the world doesn't <laughs> stop while you're
0: bowling, Donny. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, it's so hilarious. It really led the way for those um, for those put upon sitcom characters usually called Jerry um, you know or Meg in Family Guy just yeah. whatever they do is wrong
1: yeah um, yeah. the script is practically flawless isn't it I mean that scene when he goes to see Maud uh, Lebowski just brilliant you know, when she's coming flying <laughs> in on the semi... <laughs> Start naked, essentially, on the uh, zip wire and throwing uh, paint on a big canvas, you know. Vagina. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like sex,
0: Mr. Lebowski? <laughs> Coitus. <laughs> really? Do you act of love making? <laughs> yeah, it's just so
1: surreal. And like you said, you get the characters, like... The bit when he goes, he gets um, taken away by the Malibu police officer and he's in the chief of police officers' there office and he's this real hard ass, like, no-bullshit sort of police officer who's giving him a hard time calling him a bum and saying, we don't want your kind around here. And it's like, this is just so random. Why is this, like... Yeah. This, what, it's it's so lived scene. in, is that
0: world, isn't it? Yeah. Every, every character, you're like, wow, that, they had a life before... I think my favourite minor character i just remember is his landlord he's <laughs> totally not like a landlord character where you know where he'd be like knocking uh, and he's some Polish guy and some, and he's like you need rent no he's just like this little milksop who's you know afraid yeah, to um, if man, you could yeah. just um, <laughs> slide, slide I've never seen that door. oh by
2: the way tomorrow's <laughs> yeah. the 10th dude come on yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so apologetic
1: I like? uh, Sam Elliott narration slash cameo oh. I mean that it's such so, yeah. a weird thing. That in mustache nothing.
2: alone. Actually, while, while we're talking about small characters, yeah, mm. I forgot about him, but he is my favourite small character. <laughs> yeah, he's.
1: he's Like, what did you think of it, Joe, when he's. Because he kind of narrates the beginning. Yeah. I mean, is it like. But to then me, he's a character. It's, to me it felt like they were trying to do like a western kind of narration but they wanted to throw it to you that it's oh it's a contemporary film set in modern LA and it's this kind of juxtaposition of different genres what did you kind of feel with that? Did it work for you? Yeah it worked yeah well exactly like
2: that yeah. I thought it was going to be a western the first time I saw it it was sort of setting up a western but yeah Yeah, but you can't beat Sam Elliott's you know bit uh, baritone Narration, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> just so
0: likable, isn't he? Yeah, and and, and I think it's, it's almost that's a really sorry Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, he's got some, he's just got this beautiful way with words in that in that way, hasn't he? You know, the, just an extra little little bit of mustard on it, and um, it, that's almost a, an old uh, classics uh, technique. You know, he's, he's the what do you, what do you call him the, the he's like the oracle or you know Shakespeare had it a lot with the witches and they make a prophecy in the epilogue is that the first epilogue come first and then prologue and then they play a role later on in the thing you know it's um yeah it's I think it it just sits in nicely and also we love him but also the Coens love him yeah the Coans love him because apparently his his mustache is so full that they could mix with the editing, uh, the sound editing, and it, you wouldn't even know if he was saying those words or not because it's so you can't see his mouth move. <laughs> it's like, "Hello," <laughs> you know, and he could have been saying anything. <laughs> so something. Sorry, else. Hugh. I think I cut you off there. No, no. I was
1: going to say. Well, yeah, I suppose it's that kind of um, evocation of the muse. You know, in like you're getting classical literature. But, yeah. You know, like you said, Shakespeare has them speaking parts. You know, Milton and um you know the the oh, all the lads yeah they didn't tend to have them speaking they were just more people talking to them but yeah it's kind of bringing them into the story and yeah he kind mm. of comes in like this sort of angel like figure almost doesn't he he's, he's kind of He's outside of the narrative, but he's a distinct character it's a it's a weird choice he's, and i'm guessing there he's must a prophet be some... and
0: a disciple isn't he though he, yeah. you know, he's, he's a sort of disciple because he's he's basically comparing him to Jesus at certain parts and he's he's, he's just pros, proselytizing to us how much he loves the do I think there's one line that he says which doesn't actually fit where he says you know he's a man perfectly fit for his time and you go no, he fucking isn't. Everyone hates him, and uh, and he and he's totally at odds with the capitalism of things and the high, you know, the high stick stuff. He's totally not a man of his time at all. He's a man out of time. He's he's about thirty years too late. The aging <laughs> hippie.
1: What did you both think of the fact that it was set during like the beginning of the Gulf War? Do you think that had any impact on the, the story
2: itself? Well, I was going to bring this up when uh, when you asked me what you might not like about it because you had a one of the criticisms you had about. 24 hour party people was that it was they filmed it too close to when it was actually set, yeah. But I think the, the only reason this film is set in 1991 is there's a simple reason it was written in 1991, that's when they wrote the screen, <laughs> <out>. yeah. <laughs> and they had to wait a good five or six years to get Jeff, Jeff, um, just Jeff Bridges, Bridges and uh, John Goodman to, to agree because the, the parts were specifically written for them. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Which
0: Jeff Bridges couldn't believe you because know, he, yeah. he was like, I've never done anything like this before. <laughs> he he could, couldn't believe they wrote this role for him. I think you they're, know, they're, um, Steve, yeah. Steve Buscemi nearly passed on it. Steve Buscemi was like how, how am I going to tell the Coen brothers I don't want to do this film? Yeah. And it was only at the end when when um, Walter says nice things about him when they're scattering his ashes. He's like, oh he cares about him. <laughs> that was the only thing mm-hmm. that convinced him to stay.
1: Yeah.
0: So what else I liked about it is as you were
1: saying, it's the world, the richness of the world that the Coen brothers, you asked Joe earlier, how do they do it? And I, you know, if they could teach us all how to write characters like that, <laughs> I was sat thinking, watching the film going, why aren't more films like this? What is it that they're doing that other films just don't even attempt to do? Because like you said, everyone's so believable in it, you know, from, um, <laughs> what's, oh, what's he called? uh, uh Jackie Treehorn the porn producer you know he <laughs> cares about the, the changes in his industry you know you don't need like any other film he'd just be the porn producer who's threatening him
0: yeah he let's, let's l- keep him as an archetype so everyone knows who he is and then we can yeah. get out of the scene as quick as we can but he wouldn't have this yeah.
1: little monologue about you know going to digital and interaction and all
0: this. it just wouldn't be a thing um, <laughs> this is know. a great companion piece to uh, Boogie Nights yeah, <clears throat> yeah same I was sort thinking, of era yeah. some of the same ideas like that
1: yeah, it, you know, Julianne Moore was kicking it out of the park, wasn't mm. she? With the films, in she had a very nice good year or two. Yeah, eight, yeah. <laughs> making a <laughs> so lot boobs. This? Yeah, also yeah. a good actress. <laughs>
0: there is a lot of gratuitous <laughs> boob in this boobs in this film. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <it's> really <laughs> I, long... I do love this this slow mo uh, hammock throwing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just it was like this is the best art installation I've ever seen. Oh. <laughs> I, I might go to the to the Tate Gallery. <laughs> the Tate Gallery, I should say.
1: Sam was <laughs> like, look, love, if we get the neighbours and we get them blindfolds, we can recreate it. <laughs> um, the, yeah, everyone who's in it acts really well in it. There's no poor performances. Nobody's doing a bad job no one's in the wrong film mm-hmm. um, yeah like you said he's only in two scenes but Jesus Jesus <laughs> you know <laughs> Jesus Jesus like licking the ball in his tongue like just perfectly extends long enough <laughs> he, you know and he's telling the dude that he's, if he tries to pull a piece and he will shove the gun up his ass until it clicks <laughs> like, and he's like that's the, just your the opinion, stakes are man. so high
0: in this national bowl in this regional bowling thing it's like you know Waller gets his gun out he gets his piece out like Frank Reynolds (laughs) because the guy won't mark it as a (laughs) hero. Yeah. and I love how he brings up Vietnam at any given moment (laughs) who are you? I'm a veteran
2: (laughs) I didn't see my buddies die face down in the mud so we can enjoy this family restaurant
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's clearly got PTSD hasn't he? (laughs) Mm. like they, yeah. they are playing yeah. they are playing that for life so I would imagine <laughs>
0: yeah. Mm, yeah yeah there, there's not a, an important psychological point to be made here other than this man has a, a dark past. <laughs> yeah, and he's clearly got severe anger issues. Yeah. And the fact that he's severe. like friends
1: with the two nicest people in the world as well—like <laughs> <laughs> the
0: dude—he's
1: you know he's he, you know he lets everything wash over him, doesn't he? Um, and he tries to react to what's happening around him. And then Donny's just kind of there, just asking what's happening all the time, and he's not. Yeah, and he's always swearing. The, the, I mean, trying to get you can, you
0: can see why. It's basically it's basically kick started a religious movement, the dude. Mm. Dude. Is and it, you know, and you, you, that's it, you can you can really get lost in the wormhole looking into these things because yeah, he's just so zen. And even when even when he's been highly threatened, he might get a bit like het up but you know the, the guys at the start is basically drowning him in his own toilet and then pissing on his rug um, and he gets the golf ball and says what's this obviously you're not a golfer you know that's sort of like it's like it's like blackadder it's like edmund blackadder or something like I that yeah never, never you know, where he
2: says uh, he, he says where's the money and he's like he's pu- pushing his head down the toilet he says where's the money <laughs> shit he goes oh it's down there somewhere let me take another <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know there's the the old the old sort of cliche of save the cat you know do make, make your main character do something early on that gives you a reason to like them and that is for me number one that's you immediately obviously you've got you've, he's got Sam Elliot's approval so I'm like okay I'm on board and then he says that and you're like okay yeah <laughs> whatever this guy does I'm on board he's he's my guy going forward yeah so what, what did you think about the uh the dreamy sequences
1: Hugh yeah they're brilliant aren't they they're just so yeah. surreal. That's, I think, what this film does well is it doesn't feel out of place because you've got a couple of scenes where they do these like slow mo, like the uh, when they introduce Jesus. Like I honestly thought that character was going to have such a much larger, like you said, a much larger role because he's introduced in such a flamboyant way. He's such yeah. a flamboyant mm. character, um, and then yeah so you've got those things where you just roll with it and because the script is so well made and so put together and it's so well acted you you you're invested it doesn't matter if these like and it's just this, it's the nuances like in the dream sequence where he's dreaming about um, Maud and then he's going he's being thrown down the bowling alley yep. and he's going down face first but he's going through the legs of the dancers <laughs> and the but that's the character the character turns and looks up and looks at <laughs> the skirts. That's
0: now. Do you know the funny story that's linked to that? No, um, go on. Jeff Bridges has said it in a few interviews. He said it probably most famously on Conan. Um, he. Um, so he, on every shoot, every film he does, he likes to get his his wife and children there, his daughters, and he thought they were filming a particular dream sequence. And when they got there, realised they were found out they were t- they were filming the bit where he goes through the legs of lots of women with skirts on, looking up at their vaginas. And um, a lot of men are uncomfortable with that word vagina. Um, and then he says that you know he went under the first one, and he saw just lots of pubic hair peeking out and then the next one even more pubic hair and the this was you know some really liberated girls and then basically it transpires that they they'd been to the makeup guy and uh, or the props guy and he'd given them loads of crap hair uh, fake hair to put on there as a little joke and his wife and children were in on this joke this little family <laughs> little family prank with his 13-year-old daughter or whatever, or 8-year-old daughter <laughs> um but as it transpires he was He's sort of too... The, the women... He could, they couldn't find women tall enough and he was too wide, like, shoulder-wise to mm. actually go through them. So they've, they've done that using computers, which is what the Coen mm. brothers said in the late 90s. We did, we did that uh, on a computer. <laughs> uh, so it's actually a uh, CGI, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're going somewhere. They really are going somewhere.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think but all the dream sequences are... They, <clears throat> they've, they've all got a great soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's the one we well the, yeah, the bowling scene, that's Kenny Rogers and the first edition, is it? <coughs> then there's a, the one where he's flying through the sky and there's Bob Dylan playing
0: Lot of Bob Dylan. I think the la 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 la, la la. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'll tell you
0: And so not just not just their not just the directors' favourite film the favourite songs, they're mm. they fit, you know, they really yeah. fit the mood, <laughs> <laughs> God,
1: So yeah, um there's not much I didn't like about this film, as you can imagine. Um, it's a hard film not Fantastic. to like. I was laughing. It, I, you know, the, um, our one of our favourite critic, Mark Kermode, he talks about the six laugh test. That if a film doesn't make you laugh six times uh, within the first half of the film, then it might not be a funny film. And I think I passed the six laugh test within about ten minutes of the, the opening. As soon as we saw them at the uh, bowling alley, laughing, and you just just everything about it. Like when he brings the the, like I must admit at the end when Donnie dies I thought they were doing a fake out and that it had been the, the little dog the show dog oh. that had died somehow in the alley <laughs> LA, the uh, car park at the bowling alley yeah. and I thought they were playing it really serious and I thought yeah it was good they were going to show like a shot of like the little picture of the dog and that's why it's all really sombre because uh, Donnie Ed Walters really annoyed that this dog died while he was meant to be looking after it so yeah I was a bit surprised <laughs> that they went so
0: serious at the end um, yeah. I think him. they said at this point this was the fifth this was the fifth Coen brothers film that Steve Buscemi had been in, and they killed him in all five. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "He's going to be suspicious." <laughs> yeah.
2: And they they also said that in each successive film, there's less and less of him left at the end. So like the, was it Miller's Crossing? It's Fargo the wood chipper. Fargo, he gets fed into wood chipper. In this one, it's just his ashes at the end. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I mean, if I was to label any criticisms at it, is you're you're ultimately you end up comparing it to Fargo. I think that's that's my comparison because they're, they're, the the storylines are not completely the same, but there's overlap with kidnappings and things like that in it. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I kind of went to and said, so I would. So the way I looked at it is, I would say it's really hard but I think if you were to say if you put them both in front of me now and said which one do you want to watch again I think I would go
0: for this over Fargo quite frankly right wow yeah is that a recency bias or do you think a month from now you're still yeah I'm I'm
1: debating if it's recency bias that's what I'm trying to guard against and I think I just prefer well crafted comedy over maybe a well crafted crime drama Perhaps, mm. maybe. I'm not you know, I'm not hundred percent sure on that. But yeah, I thought I feel like with Fargo, you might agree or disagree, jump in to let me know what you both think. I think the storyline in Fargo is better constructed. I think it's a better story structure. Mm. It has a more resolute ending, it has a very specific, you know, acts and structure and you know, you can you you can think of it in the, in your head beat for beat, what happens. Where yeah. right with this I think once they've been to Little um, Larry's house, it kind of dr- drops off a little bit, and they kind of repeat themselves. Yeah, a you're tiny right. Bit.
0: If, if you were asked to, if you are asked to say scene by scene, or even you were given all the scenes and put them in order, I couldn't do it for this film, but I could for Fargo. Yeah, or thereabouts.
1: Yeah, so that's again my, maybe my only little criticism of it is that I'm having to compare it to Fargo, and I think Fargo as a story a better overall story but I think this is a better film because it's just I think the script's better in this Mm. yeah I think the interactions between all the characters are better Um, and they're brilliant in Fargo I mean you know it's like comparing your favourite it's like comparing your children almost (laughs) you know because you you, you love them both in in this regard because they're both so well made and so lovingly Realise they're just the their world building's amazing. You know, like we get all these directors mm. get, doing all these Marvel films and DC films. They should be getting the Cohen brothers to make these yeah. films because they, they could imbue, <laughs> their, their ability to imbue minor characters with a lasting memory is just insane.
0: But then when you get a, when you get what's essentially an auto <clears throat> with auto with a with a vision, you get an Edgar Wright Ant Man situation. I think where oh, you know. Uh, probably kevin feige wants a bit more of a say uh in in what they do yeah True. here's you know one of the one of their products but i mean you're right i think it would be one of the best mcu films if not the best if if they gave it to if they just went you know what we've made 23 billion dollars let's go crazy with it just give them <laughs> let's my, go experimental. Let the coin brothers make a
1: comedy at like film yeah you know a comedy super, and then give
0: it, give one to Lanthimos and give one to the Coens and just see what see what happens give one to Las <laughs> Montreya give one to Scorsese <laughs> yeah. so we can make real cinema okay. that. Scorsese's MCU yeah so so basically you didn't really dislike anything other than it's not very tightly narrated yeah um,
1: it's, it's not too long it's a it's the pacing's yeah. pretty decent um yeah I can't think of any I just can't think of any criticism. maybe like you said recency bias perhaps you know I enjoyed it so much that I can't I'm struggling to find things to critique about it but no I, I,
0: I'm looking for to it's a really good film isn't it <laughs> it's a fantastic film let's yeah. get into scenes and lines then because a film like this this is going to be fruitful I think so uh, Joe as our guest I'm going to start with you how would, I don't know how you do this but what scene would you narrow this down to as your favourite scene
2: um, what have I got here in my notes? Um, I've I've written down the bowling scene where um Smokey goes over the line and he says <laughs> pulls out the gun and says you're anywhere in a world of pain. Um, I think that's my favourite
1: scene, and I like the uh, I love the bit there. So just at the end where he's uh, you know at the end of that scene where they're in the car park yeah. he's like he's a very sensitive man you know <laughs> yeah.
2: he's got mental problems uh, he's got emotional problems what you mean beyond pacifism <laughs> <laughs> and then you see uh, the police turn up in the background and run into the building <laughs> not referenced he's <laughs> like just calm the fuck down man he's like calm than you are does <laughs> <laughs> <hasn't> calm <laughs> <laughs> waving the fucking gun wrap, come than you are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Great scene. I think, I think my favourite scene. I I couldn't decide, so I just went for one. It's possibly the ash ash scattering scene for its meme ability, obviously um, <laughs> of the of it just flying right back into the person's face. But I think also uh, I like I tried to, I quite like scenes that lend something to the overall film. You know, some someone's arc or something, and it was really down to that story. Steve Buscemi said where he, he didn't want to do the role until he read that scene and understood that Walter actually did love Donny. You know, and it's a funny, it's a really funny scene. You get Walter's PTSD because he starts talking about Vietnam. <laughs> you know, you get the dudes like, "Why the fuck are you bringing Vietnam up?" <laughs> and then you just get some great physical comedy, and I, I think that's a great scene for me. How about you, Hugh? So
1: I'm torn between two two scenes in this film, and I can't decide which my favorite one is. I'll, I'll do them in order. So the uh, scene where you first meet Maud, I think that scene is brilliant. It's just And her so sort of weird. mock
0: British accent, you know. Yeah, so is she meant to... Is she... Oh, identified! Yeah, I was
1: like, was she doing that kind of sort of, you know, um, what they call it, mid-Atlantic <clears> throat> accent throat> that um, movie stars did in the 40s and 30s, in the 50s, that yeah. slowly, because it was an artificial accent, it's not an accent. That it's Mitford sisters, word. and it's so, all that
0: sort of thing, isn't it? Awesome. Very well, Mitford. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, yeah. Well, was she, trying to no, do she that, said, or was she actually? British? She said in an interview that um, she said in an interview that she wasn't specifically trying to be British, so much as, yeah, just a, I suppose, what an American's view of a wealthy posh transatlantic Compass, arty
2: sort of person. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, her dad yeah, is yeah, the big Lebowski, isn't it? <clears throat> Who's an American?
1: Yeah. he's a um, good man and thorough (laughs) (laughs) and David Thewlis that bit he has in this the little caveat (laughs) just oh that's David Thewlis (laughs) (laughs) here's some David Thewlis
0: for you (laughs) yeah no he's not looping yet but (laughs) with his little pencil (laughs) moustache I know that's not the exact same scene but it's you know (laughs) those scenes with
1: Maud kind of tying together don't Mm. they like all her all her scenes are brilliant like (laughs) when they finish having sex and she's getting into Position to try to co- 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 coerce. What is that conception. yoga? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it's like like his lady friend. Like, yeah. He
0: just moves beyond that, yeah. When he's talking to the to the private investigator and he's like, my your special lady friend. No, she's just my lady friend, I'm, I'm helping her to conceive. He's just like <laughs> how Zen do you have to be to find out she's basically stealing your sperm to conceive <laughs> uh, and does not want you to be involved, and then you're like, Yeah, whatever, I've got I've got other fish to fry.
1: Yeah. And then the other and that I a really, way. really liked. Was it's just the whole setup for it is when um, Walter destroys the Corvette
2: oh yeah I mean <laughs> you know that
1: it's only until the light flashes on in the neighbour's house behind him Ooh. that you're in your mind you go that's not Larry's car <laughs> that's not little Larry's car and little Larry just <laughs> is unbreakable the man is, is, is he's unbreakable <laughs> you wouldn't want a to play poker against him would you who, who which of the Coens wrote that scene because <laughs> that is genius <laughs> it's just genius we're just going to put a man in an iron lung and then pretend he's alive <laughs> essentially yeah <laughs> <laughs> I could I could write for a thousand years and I'd never think of something that witty or that intelligent to put on screen just as a it's as a device like they're good at maybe, maybe this is what it is. They give their characters like little devices like the big Lebowski, he's a man in a wheelchair. So immediately you have sympathy as an audience member for him. And with like um I can't remember the character's name, but the man in the iron look. Um, who he Arth- wrote. Arthur Digby Sellers. Yeah, he wrote 157 <laughs> episodes of Branded. <laughs> he's done the early ones. Oh, <laughs> look of the series. Yeah. <laughs> we like your early work. <laughs> um, yeah, he's just. Does start- he still write? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See what I mean? It's Like, silly little. Like, obviously fucking. And he's tight. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I just you know something bad's going to happen. You know, something silly's about to happen with, with that, um, with that car, and yeah, I just loved it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a great choice. Well, let's go into lines then, because we, cause I reckon listener settle in for an hour of um, us <laughs> basically retelling the film uh, in in our favourite lines. Uh, Joe, we need to break it down. I, I, I'm going to have to limit you to 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Should
2: we say three inch? Like in all seriousness, <laughs> three inch. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Well, I was watching it the other night, and I was trying to pick out my favourite line, and I think, yeah, I think my favourite line is is towards the end where the dude and um, Walter are sort of the driving to confront the Big Lebowski, and. Um, <clears throat> Walter saying like he, you know, he's, he's dragged him out on Shabbos. Um, he's not You're even Shabbos. supposed to drive, and um, <laughs> he's saying like, you know, you. It, this is all part of your sick Cynthia thing, like his ex wife. You know, you you you're looking after a dog. You're living in the past. You know, you yeah, going to synagogue. You're living in the past. And he says, he says, three thousand years of beautiful tradition from Moses to Sandy Koufax. You're goddamn right. I'm living in the fucking past. <laughs> <laughs> three
1: thousand years of beautiful tradition from Moses to Sandy Koufax. You got oh, that Catholic. fucking right. on living in the past.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just the <laughs> indignation he has
1: with the dude at that point he's so angry oh he's brilliant oh.
0: yeah i say well is let's do one line each so we don't accidentally steal each other's Hugh, what's your what's your top there
1: oh it's that scene it's the little speech that Maud gives um where it's like <laughs> does the female form make you uncomfortable mr lebowski uh is that what the picture is of in a sense, yes. My art has become has been sorry. My art has been condemned as being strongly vaginal, which bothers some men. The word itself makes some men uncomfortable. Vagina. It's just the gap. <laughs> <laughs> and he just says the word vagina. No
0: just to demonstrate, vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's so good <laughs> great line I think my my number one just on the my guttural reaction to it was when he meets the private investigator he's like I'm brother Seamus like like an Irish monk <laughs> 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 yeah I, I lost myself at that line yeah. Joe, what's your second
2: um, I think um, <laughs> I, ju- I just think like one of the one of the f- First scenes uh, when Walter says to Donnie, Donnie, you're out of your element. Like, <laughs> forget it, Donnie, you're out of your one element. of the more quotable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he spends just the whole about film. 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> he spends the whole film telling him to shut the fuck up, and that's him saying it in a more creative way. You... Yeah, yeah, forget you're out it, Donnie, of your you're out of <laughs> out <Yeah>. your element.
1: <laughs> Go on, Hugh number two.
0: <laughs> the
1: rug tied the room together. <laughs>
0: Because <laughs> Walter gets really like invested in that, oh, yeah, man. it really did <laughs> yeah he gets so indignant on his behalf because yeah. it really tied the room to I, I will say one thing
1: about the big Lebowski right is that something mm. that you often see people criticize films for is that the main character or the main characters don't have agency they let things ha- mm. they react to things and this is a big like he's no-no. the tumbleweeds
0: he's the tumbleweed yeah this is meant to be like
1: a big no-no in filmmaking that the characters can't be always reactionary they have to have agency and this is kind of the, the film or the character that You know, proves the rule. You know, the exception that proves the rule because he doesn't really have any agency in the entire film. Things just like he's sat in the bowling alley and the phone's just ringing and he refuses to answer it. The police are interviewing him (laughs) about his car being stolen and he refuses to answer
0: the phone because he doesn't know how to react. His his inaction is almost action, isn't it? I think that's what makes it narratively quite, uh, you know, one note or one line really, but. Which is so essential to that character that you wouldn't you wouldn't trade them you know and that 's the thing with these with like any screenwriting rule a lot of people think screenwriting rules are just there because there 's an industry to be made from writing these books and selling these courses hmm. you know screenwriting rules and this is a good, a good you know paul thomas anderson's the same he he doesn 't follow a single f- flipping rule other than maybe three acts or something like that you know um, but I anybody, say, anybody works
1: but what I would say is that almost the active agent in this film is, is Walter Walter's the one who says he's you t- should he's go to he's too active, him. he's proactive <laughs> yeah. he's pro
0: pro pro proactive
1: he's, yeah, he's the one who, go, who tells him to go to see Mr. Lebowski yeah. he's the one who throws out the, the ringer um, bag of yeah. money and he's saying
2: like, he's not in um, a position to be making that risk he says yeah. you said it yourself dude you know she kidnapped herself he says oh, I thought she kidnapped himself you're the one who's so fucking certain about it <laughs>
1: you want a toe? I'll get you a tow by 3pm <laughs> that's With my nail next line. <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> oh yeah
0: so oh damn yeah my, my one of mine was um, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature, and it's really <laughs> about the pronunciation of nomenclature. You know, he's he's, he's gone all academic, <laughs> it's Asian American. Because <laughs> I, I was like, Oh, I see who Walter is now, <laughs> just really brilliant. <laughs> Je, third line Well, Hughes um, just said it, but yeah, I'll say, like, um, Oh, yeah, of course,
2: he does it. <clears throat> I, um, what's the one I said earlier? He, um, he says M- I watched my buddies die face down in the mud so we could enjoy this family restaurant yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Supreme Court that's has a good roundly rejected prior
0: restraint <laughs> <laughs> he sort of in that moment reminds me of that guy there was a video that's very famous now the guy who was just out to a delicious Chinese meal oh, yeah. and he's been accosted by the police <laughs> I see you know your judo sir <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that got me by hey. the penis people He's <laughs> 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 like Dave Berry playing it. I don't, I don't, yeah. <laughs> Matt, Berry. <laughs> Matt Berry. I'm always <laughs> making a mistake. Yeah, Matt Berry's playing. <laughs> yeah. They're so alike. They both have round name. Yeah. They both have the same <laughs> name. <English>. Berry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get your hands off of me.
1: <laughs> Fall <Follow>! off, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: what's number three?
1: Um, I'm going to go with I've got two that I've got to choose between but I'm going to go with this one because I think it's near the beginning of the film and it kind of sets the tone for it and it's where um, Bunny says (laughs) where Bunny says he's a (laughs) nihilist and the dude just goes sounds exhausting (laughs) that's very on brand for him isn't it that sounds exhausting yeah <laughs> I think different. mine
0: is um, <laughs> when the dude's being accosted by when he comes out of the limo or the taxi and he's, he's been. Oh, the drink! The <laughs> Careful, man. There's a beverage here. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't care that he's possibly being kidnapped. <laughs> I wish had had a white out. Russian to drink right now. To be honest, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so really, kiddin- really. I nearly bought some Kalua today because. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> But uh, we so could that's, be here all night nice. with the amount of yeah, I've got. That's it. it, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you like <laughs> sex, Mister Lebowski? <laughs> you mean coitus? <laughs> <laughs> the physical act of coitus.
1: Do you like it? <laughs> At <laughs> least, least I'm housebroken. <laughs> I love how those thugs are also yeah. are blaming him for them their mistake of going to the wrong house. Yeah, was yeah, meant yeah. to be a millionaire.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what, does he, what does he say? He goes, uh, "Fucking loser!" And he goes, "Yeah, at least I'm housebroken." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and he's, he's just wow. he's.
0: A pure victim. So I think before we get into the rest of the film, I think it's time to find out, Hugh. Would you recommend this film?
1: I mean, is the Pope a Catholic to bear <laughs> shit in the woods? You
0: know, <laughs> is the bear a Catholic? Does the Pope shit in the woods? Yeah, you would. Good. Exclusively well, all three. We're going to get some more nuance then with this review. Well, which I mean we're going to get a rating. So join us after the break. We're going to hear what the critics said and say. And we're going to get Hugh's rating, Joe's rating, and possibly mine as a treat. And then maybe a little quiz. Ooh, exciting. Hello and welcome back. Now, before we get everybody's ratings we're going to find out what the critics thought well I say critics uh, what a critic thought of the film when it's a film like this that's more than say 10 years old we'd like to get a contemporary review and a a current one Uh, luckily we also like to get Roger Ebert to do it Um, luckily he's got both he reviewed it in 98 and then he reviewed it again in 2010 Uh, so I'm just going to read a paragraph for each one yeah really and and his second um, review isn't all about how he was wrong the first time or anything like that he just reviews it again (laughs) but with a different rating Hugh what rating do you think Rod should yeah what would he give it
1: so I think Roger Ebert gave it at first on first watch I think he might have given it three stars on second watch I think he gave it four I think he kind of got it the the first
0: yeah I think he got it the first time but hadn't had a few years for it to simmer fantastic, you're absolutely right so in his first review, I think this is the first oh, review i just got to double check, in his first review he said, basically what we've said but you know, more eloquently more eloquently oh, uh, easy for you to say uh, some may complain the big Lebowski rushes in all directions and never ends up anywhere that isn't the film's flaw but it's style which I think is what we've said really etc um, etc et uh, so that was kind of, I think that encapsulated that review that, basically what we've said it meanders but that's a choice rather than a flaw uh, and then he says a very similar thing in his four star review so to kind of build on the, the idea that it lacks a narrative uh, he sort of starts his review by saying the Coen Brothers uh, Little Big Lebowski is a genial shambling comedy about a human train wreck and should come with a warning like the one Mark Twain attached to Huckleberry Finn persons attempting to find a plot in it will be shot <laughs> Hmm. You know, so again, kind of echoing the idea of it's not plot driven, it's character driven. But there's more um,
1: plot than say
0: something like There Will Be Blood. Do you know what I mean? Like in that that really yeah, is a It's not complete. it's not completely ours plot. Yeah, well, interestingly enough, listener, you, we we're gonna talk about this at the end, but maybe maybe he will change his mind about There Will Be Blood just tease that. Um, He he said in his more recent review in 2010, um, this is a plot and dialogue that perhaps only the Coen brothers could have devised. So he's got the kind of, he's got the benefit of hindsight as well with more Coen brothers films in the 12 years between reviews. I'm thinking less of their clarity in Fargo and No Country for Old Men than of their almost hallucinatory logic of raising Arizona and the Hudsucker proxy. Only a steady hand in the midst of madness allows them to hold it all together. That and the delirious richness of their visual approach. So... Yeah, he's nailed it. He's saying he's, he's explained why that plot. So why do you two off.
1: think that this yes, film wasn't a, film. a success or a critical success at the time? Because watching it twenty two years later, it's amazing. It really is genuinely brilliant. I've no idea. I think maybe it wasn't so didn't get a wide get release. You in here for jo- <laughs> 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 Sorry, you're only messy. <laughs> no, but we said, go on.
2: I think the only explanation could be it didn't get a wide release. Or it came out at the same time as a much more widely advertised film. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do you think it's. Yeah, I mean, it, can, a lot it can be something as simple as that. I mean, possibly, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, there are like more. Americans are a bit pernickety about that, hmm. aren't they? I think there's more F-words, F-bombs in this film than.
1: Is it like 267 or something? It's
2: in the top 10 it's um, an awful um, lot, most yeah. Uh,
0: F-bombs, yeah. So, that yeah, that could be a reason. But I don't hmm. think so. I think it's more that it's. It, most cult classics like this do need a bit of a run up because they need people to be talking about it and if it's in the cinema for a week you're not going to have that so if Nail and I came out for the first time now you might go and think wow what, what an interesting film but you, it's not a mainstream hit immediately you know most people don't immediately love it I think the first time watching it yeah
2: it's a sleeper hit isn't it do you think it
0: you yeah, needed exactly, time to yeah. find
1: its audience
0: yeah I think so. <clears throat> Ultimately it made back its money and, and then some but yeah I think I think there is an element of finding its audience because again think... how do you, I don't know quite know how you market this unless unless the audience knows about uh, the Coen brothers you know.
2: Yeah I can not imagine what the trailer would look like. Hmm.
1: I suppose they probably yeah. heavily emphasize that it's from the makers of Fargo and that it's a, you know a, another crime drama by them. Yeah. You know, That's it
0: they tend to have to focus on plot in uh, in in trailers, so they would have really played up to that. Yeah, um, I'm I'm keen to get your ratings then. So I'm going to start with Joe as our guest, and then the uh, the big reveal with Hugh. So Joe, how many White Russians out of ten would you give this film? <laughs>
2: um, well, I think I gave Fargo ten, didn't I? ten foreskins as I
0: recall (laughs) Um, (laughs) Steve Buscemi's foreskins it's kind of funny looking
2: (laughs) I I preferred Fargo to Big Lebowski but it's Fargo is very very close behind so I don't want to give it a nine. I'm going to give it a nine point five. <laughs> Sorry, she'll be All fantastically right. <laughs>
0: ecstatic with that. Get out! I'm <laughs> going to give it a nine. I'm going to give it a nine. Just a real classic. With so, do you players. prefer Fargo then? Sam? E- uh, again, I think you a gave Fargo to a nine, didn't you? I think so. They're they're pretty much level for me. I prefer Over the Ratt though to both of them. Really, because it's got the narrative. It's got the narrative, and it's got lines, and it's got the best soundtrack of the lot. I think that's my favourite. So Hugh, the big question: How many White Russians out of ten? I'm going to give this ten out of ten. Oh. Wow! Oh. Yeah, I think this is, I think it's just
1: slightly better than Fargo. Wow! Yeah, I mean wow. Fargo's like a nine. Is it? What? I don't remember what I gave Fargo. I must have given. I don't half. remember. It wasn't an eight. Because <laughs> it's not an eight. It's probably like a nine. probably a nine. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, fantastic. Oh yeah, you did give it the, a nine. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. It is a little bit better. It, it again, like I said, it's the story isn't as. Isn't as plot driven as Fargo is and you know, Fargo has a ticking clock with there actually being a kidnapping, so that always kind of speeds the pace up a bit and this does a tiny bit of meander, but it's just so well written and it's so funny and it's so poignant yeah. at the end with Donny's funeral on the out of the coffee cup <laughs> and you you sympathize with these characters because they're 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 almost they are they're almost like real people we all know somebody who's a bit too laid back we all know somebody who's not the brightest in the room you know we all know somebody who's a bit angry at times and a bit right wing and all this and you know that line where it's like are they going to hurt us no these men are cowards (laughs) you know you know it's it's that kind of just that sea of humanity that the Coens are, up, are so able to get to get on screen and to make even somebody sat across in the Atlantic. You know, we we don't run into people like this every day in this country mm-hmm. like they like that. You know, go bowling and you know who are into their guns and things like that. But you know, sort of characters that can be associated with that. Mm. So uh, yeah, I can't I can't sing its praises highly enough. So is this the, the first ten out of ten series? film? You, you've I have to was give one ten other. I tend to give ten for comedies. I found I think
0: I I really appreciate well made comedies. I think, oh. yeah, I guess. yeah. Because what we do in the shadows was one of your best reviews. Yeah. I'm sure you've given a ten out of ten, uh, and it's really bugging me that I can't remember what it was. There was a film that you you couldn't find a flaw with. Anyway, listener, that's your job. You can go back and find out. Um, I'm uh, keen to test your knowledge then and your memory of this film. As dun, always, Joe's seen dun, it more, so dun. so he going to get the question first. So Hugh, question one, question one. All uh, right, now now I get to decide which question to start. with Here we go. We'll start with the production question. So, of the brothers, one of them produced it, one of them directed it. Which of the brothers directed it? Which one produced it? Um, Ethan directed. Joel produced. No, 50
1: um, chance. There's Joey you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sorry, which was the, the bottom case of the barrel, I hear, being scraped, <laughs> <laughs>
0: and that was the case for most of the films, actually, until the, till Ethan realised, well, I could just direct as well. Um, so we talked a lot about Smokey, um, you know, and his toe over the line, and Walter is, is, you know, saying you're entering a world of pain. What does, what does Smokey want to record it as? An eight. Obviously, Walter wants a zero. An eight. Very good. Very good. Oh, oh, oh. That's, um, now the does no one care note, for the rules? <laughs> in the ransom note, they asked for a million dollars in what denomination? Mm. They want it in 20s. Very good. Very good. Uh, let's go next. That was question three. Sam, El- Sam Elliott's character, what does he drink? Sarsaparillas. Sasparillas, nicely done have either that's of you good. two ever had a
2: sarsaparilla I've had a root no. beer I think that's similar isn't yeah. It?
0: yeah Dr Pepper's a root beer
1: mm. apparently
2: I mean tastes like fizzy benelin. <laughs> 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 Alan Partridge
0: um, reference for you there, sorry <laughs> yeah it's really good Alan Partridge reference question four question five uh, who cares um, cool. what is Bunny listening to on the radio when she drives past the dude oh no um,
1: she's listening oh it's a song that's already been in the film I don't know the name of the
0: song I can't remember Sam who's it by or Joe. give it away uh, Viva Las Vegas, of course. Yeah, Viva Las Vegas. Las Vegas. That's right. Uh, a couple of bonus just questions, just know. because, <laughs> just just other things. Elvis um, Presley was a very
1: famous uh, <laughs> pop star in the '50s, <laughs> '60s, and '70s
0: until just he died. In There's people um, in there who don't know. <laughs> no, there aren't. So uh, here's a question for you: When the d- when the dude needs Walter to pick him up on the Sabbath, um, how does he get him to do it? How does he convince him? It's an emergency. Because he can only. Mm, get, that's how he answered the phone. That's why he answered the phone. It was an emergency. He actually had to say something. He had to, say, he had to threaten something to get him to come Oh, come he
1: says he'll quit the bowling team. If he's 50 50 against them. Yeah, it's just so And it doesn't not get needed, resolved, though. which is really frustrating because you think, oh, well,. It's going to be a weird thing at the end. They're going to have this bowling yeah. uh, match against Jesus yeah. and his colleague. And uh, it, I'll tell
2: you what else is weird. You never actually see the dude bowl. Or oh, Walter, I
0: don't think. You see Donny loads. And Jesus, obviously. But. And I mean, it's the tonight. same as. Fa- I think he does These, are the, who, mm. these he are the people who...
1: Or twice. These are the people who
0: made... These are the people who made Fargo with the most heavily pregnant woman you've ever seen on screen, and then she doesn't give birth in the film. You know, they, yeah. don't, they don't really care about resolutions. Um, one okay. other little bonus 50 50 question. Um, uh, Walter bites, what's his name, Peter Stormer, Rare his ear off. Which ear does he bite off? Uh, I'm going to go with left. Joe, what do you think? <laughs> you've got a one in one chance. I, I think he's holding <laughs> his right ear. It's the right year. So, um, Hugh, you got some right. Can I just
2: point out... Yes. I'm always good at getting some right on this quiz. Yes. One yeah. I think I'm winning. <laughs> one uh, one nice little thing I noticed, just a callback to our Fargo episode, Peter Stormare finally gets his pancakes in this film.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, they pancakes. <laughs> a little fact that I didn't... Is it Amy Mann at the table with the with the turn yes. cut off I think I'm just I was literally just, yeah, just about to say yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah,
1: she's a famous musician for like actually she's, one, she's brilliant. I, and again, another Paul Thomas Anderson I mean. link. Really?
0: She's, I think she's 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 fantastic. She's um she's kind of '90s Joni Mitchell uh, sort of sort of thing. And she mm. she's a huge part to play in Magnolia one of Paul Thomas Anderson films. There's so many links I think between Paul Thomas Anderson and Cohen yeah, she did films. the score for
1: Magnolia, didn't she?
0: and there's a bit where they're all singing the song all the characters, it's it's, it's really good and she's brilliant, she's genuinely brilliant um, also has a great part in Portlandia the sketch show, but that's for another time uh, and Flea's in this film we didn't mention, mm. but you know Flea, Flea, Flea alongside, I would say legitimately the best Steve Merchant um, lookalike <laughs> I've ever seen <laughs> I love the
1: bit where he smashes something with, as he's walking out he smashes two things yeah. it's like you give a man a cricket bat and he's going to smash things like, he's like he's so he's gonna, he's gonna gangly isn't he
2: he's like I fuck you I fuck you up <laughs> what part of China is he from that's <laughs> how no, he says so it and he's like we, he said he would get a million dollars it's not fair
0: because <laughs> <laughs> they're just speaking in English in really camp German accent it's, it's just wonderful wonderful alright well I think that's the film uh, Hugh me and Joe I can speak for his birth because we're brothers are happy you liked it fantastic so much yeah, yeah. Um, Hugh it only good. remains to be asked what's happening next week it's a bit different
1: well ladies and gentlemen I'm going to get some trumpets in here pause for effect so it's our 50th episode special 50 50 we've f- well we've technically done i think this will be our 54th or 53rd because we split our uh, end of year review into three and then we did an extra um we did the please don't watch this so that that still
0: it. makes this episode 50 i think doesn't it um, or oh, did we not did we not number those
1: Oh, I might have numbered them. I can't remember.
0: Who knows? Yes, I Let's did number them. You're right. So yeah, it, this
1: is the fiftieth yeah. episode. Big five oh, middle age now, Joe.
0: Yeah, <laughs> cl- close half, a, half a ton. So what so, we're going to do to remember to so Do we do, well to celebrate? Do we just so do another film? What do we do? So if you shut up, I'll tell you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to change our format, you know, because. That's what we like to do here on Please Watch This every now and then. And we're going to go back and look at two films that we've both already seen to see if our opinions, as Sam alluded to earlier, if they've changed at all in the preceding 12 months. Because I'm a big fan of many films that have a universe far, far away in a galaxy, uh, even... Um, and I am ago. known to be tepid towards them. And yeah. Sam was like, I hate that, I hate everything about it um, <laughs> I'm going to try to find the negatives and uh, and wrap them around George Lucas's throat and kill him. Uh, True,
0: That's a yeah. bit what he said. That's so a, year, a year or so later perhaps it's possible that I might look past the more obvious problems and enjoy them for what they are. Yeah. Hugh on the other hand is going to watch a film that I do think needs a second viewing uh, and time to really enjoy it and that is going to be There Will Be Blood. So yeah, I'm going to watch There Will Be Blood,
1: uh, because I wasn't overwhelmed like everybody else seems to have been. Joe, do you like There Will Be Blood? I've never seen it. <laughs> there you go. Um, so Joe, might, uh, again, it wasn't a film like you, it wasn't a film that I disliked, I just didn't think it was as good as everyone made it out to be. Um, mm. But Sam, you're going back um, uh, in some sort of, neat. you know, Sam's a nihilist. Sounds oh. exhausting. Um, <laughs> he's going back to watch The Empire Strikes Back to see if his opinion may have changed. And then, also what we're going to do, so we're going to quickly we're going to go through those, review them again, uh, talk about maybe what we did like, what we didn't like, second time round. Um, we probably won't do favourite scenes and favourite lines because, effectively, we've already done it once no. before. Um, but then what we're going to do is we're going to have a big, fat 50th quiz, Sam, aren't we?
0: Yeah, we want to know how well we know the films we've covered if you've listened to us all this time we are truly grateful if you're listening to us for the first time or you're quite new to the show um, you can still listen to the episode back story, we might spoil isn't it? the odd film it's our backstory it's our origin yeah. story you know yeah. so I'll be asking questions like you know where, what film is this character from so just a real retrospective on our entire yeah,
1: yeah so we're going to do a, a big quiz and yeah, that's going to be funny because uh, it's going to be a lot of editing for me because taking out the awkward ums and ers and the long silences <laughs> in between,
0: <laughs> which doesn't affect me or you, listeners. So who cares? Uh, so um, that's next week. That is next week. Hugh, if they want to get in touch with us and like tell us their you know opinions, man, uh, what might they do to do that?
1: So what do they need to do, Sam. What do they need to do, Joe. I think you can, you can see what's coming here, can't you? you can see <laughs> Who do they have to mind. kidnap, fuck's <laughs> sake? <So what> <laughs> Whose rug do, do
0: they have to piss on? Is they need, to, they need
1: to go to their computer or tablet or iPhone or Samsung and they need to Gosh. send an email to pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com.
0: It's as simple as that. That was really quick. What? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm struck by that. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us on social media, what you really have to do is find the most rich. The richest person you can in town who shares your surname, mm-hmm. kidnap their, I mean, frankly, disgustingly sexy wife, and then piss on a rug, and then and then get on Twitter and get us at Please Watch Pod. I don't have the stamina that Hugh has for this. So on Twitter we are at Please Watch Pod. This is That's why really I do well the jokes. most active. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, email Please Watch Pod at Gmail, uh, and so on, etc. We just said it. So Joe. Our eternal gratitude for, for really propping up our numbers, our listener numbers, and also for your contribution today, I suppose. And, and his lifelong <laughs> affiliation, being your brother, maybe.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, you know. I mean this is the most we've ever
2: <laughs> talked to be honest <laughs> years of ambivalence good thing you're in the yellow pages
0: yeah, the absolutely. Hands, <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you at Christmas alright well uh, <laughs> listen we love you and we'll talk at you next week triumphantly the dude abides bye bye